In a world of EMS podcasters, EMS Office Hours is the only live podcast bringing you the latest topics and opinions in EMS. Turn down your scanner and turn up your speakers as we join Jim Hoffman and Josh Knapp on their latest EMS podcasting journey. Welcome to EMS Office Hours. This is Jim Hoffman. And this is Josh Knapp. Josh, good afternoon. Yeah, it is. What a freaking gorgeous day, huh? Yeah, I guess. Well, maybe it was a little bit cooler up by you. Hey, by me. In the yeah. mountains. I, yeah, by me. In the, yeah, I got, I'm, I got blankets on now. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, but there's something to be said for that crisp air, you know? I suppose. Uh, you know, I'm just happy that the smog has lifted in New York, so. <laughs> I know. Well, I want to mention, Josh, of course, before we get started, this episode of EMS Office Hours is sponsored by EMS Manager. Go visit them. It's emsmanager.net. Get a free trial of their innovative and easy-to-use EMS employee scheduling and management software. Uh, talk a little bit more about them uh, a little bit later on, uh, about the, uh, the the software and all. Um, but uh, so we've been away for well live for two weeks, and uh, in the last week we we did not have a show, and I got kind of stuck in the whole traffic um, mess. So, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Why don't I'm you, here. Why are you a TV in the background? Or? Um, what are you watching? I'm trying to. I'm not watching anything. I'm trying to log on to our show, oh. uh, chat room, and it's uh, it lately it's been giving me a hard time. I see in there. Commercial over. I just okay. got in. Just got in. Oh okay. Oh yeah. You um, gotta you gotta you gotta stop the uh, right the show. Yeah. Right. So it's gotcha. uh, it won't let me pause or stop the commercial though. No, you got to you that commercial. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. What do, What do you yeah. think to do? Got to kind of force. You know, they force you into doing it. Yeah, I usually get in early, but uh, wasn't able to yeah. today. So uh, yeah, two weeks, man, and I gave you hell last week, didn't I? Well, I mean, listen, you know, the the well, last week, you know, I I had anticipated being back uh, in time uh, to do a live show, but then uh, ended up getting stuck what I was doing, so I wasn't really able to do that. Um, the week before, I did have the recording. I did the best of uh, the program network, which actually, uh, I'll tell you, it was kind of fun doing that. Um, you know, I, had, I listened to all the podcasts, and I had to pick out, I think, some little choice, little nuggets of uh, each show and kind of highlighted them and, and uh, you know, talked a little bit about what they were talking about and then cut into their conversation and, uh, you know, made a few comments about that and, um, you know, Jamie and Greg and John and uh, Chris uh, all had some great shows. It was pretty cool to, to do that. That was kind of an interesting little project that I did um, during the week for that, which is pretty cool. Um, but today, uh, you know, I, I, I had the rip from the headline sort of title uh, today. Um, and something that you notice in the, the, the show notes, I mean, I, I say the the real and not so real um, EMS news or the real and unreal EMS headlines. 
Um, and I don't know if you, Josh, I think, well, he's a friend of, of ours um, via the super secret um, Facebook right. super secret. The, the, the hush, page hush. that will not be yeah, mentioned. That page that shall not be mentioned um, has actually a website called Call the Cops. Have you seen that at all? Call of... Callthecops.net. Call the cops? No, yeah. I haven't. It's but funny. I, yeah. I it's sort of what what they're doing there on that side. I'm going to put one of the links here in the chat room. You guys can check it out if you want and um, uh, do that. You might have seen them on Facebook. Is that they're actually getting some traction because there is uh, uh, this site is geared to be sort of like um, the Onion, but for like EMS and public safety. Mm-hmm. Um, and like John said, he didn't realize it was satire at first. A lot of people didn't realize that these are um, fake articles. Um, and it's funny because I'm looking on, on Facebook initially, especially one of these ones I put in here about um, uh, uh, the Bloomberg article where he, Bloomberg bans emergency medication. Uh, and they talked about Bloomberg had, had banned it. Uh, Paramedics couldn't give uh, dextrose to diabetic patients because people in New York are, are already so overweight, and giving them sugar in their veins is just making them fatter. <laughs> and, uh, you know, people thought it was a real article. People were up in arms. Oh, my God, you should have seen it. I, I mean, one friend of mine that posted it said, is this guy nuts? He lost his mind. Oh, my God. And people were on the uh, – that said he's out of control. And I'm like – and finally somebody said, this is just a joke, guys. It's not a real article. It's, it's, a, it's a, a satire website, you know. Um, and, you know, and I saw some other ones on there. But my thing is there, there were two articles on there, and one is the, uh, the, the state scraps EMS program. Um, it's a fake article about how New York State is getting rid of the educational report. It doesn't work. All this good stuff, right? They're not doing any more. Do you know I actually heard – it's funny how these things make their way into the real news. I mean, I don't know if you've ever watched the – I know you get HBO because you and I are big fans of several of their programs. But have you ever watched the news on HBO, the newsroom? Yeah. It's actually I, – I was surprised at how good it is. Um, it's not a bad show. But – it's funny how, you know, and they actually just did this, how a fake article made it into mainstream yeah. news and was reported on, and then, you know, uh, the whole plot line. Uh, it's not important here, but I heard somebody commenting about how New York was going to get rid of the entire paramedic program. Yeah. It, it's funny because, you know what, that guy at my, at where I work actually said to me that he posts on his page knowing it was a joke and people were flipping out over it. Um, and if you read the article, I mean, honestly, you, you think about some of the stuff in the article about the instructors and stuff like that, and somebody, somebody, part of the article says, how can people teach EMT when the last patient that they treated uh, died in 1992, you know? Um, and you've actually got people out there who are instructors who haven't treated a patient in that long. And all they're doing is teaching, you know. Um, another thing they mentioned here, too, is something where standards of care 
like oxygen administration, spinal mobilization, are going to be taken out of the protocols and require online medical control because we're overusing oxygen and mo spinal mobilization so much that now you have to do med control in order to do to give oxygen or uh, uh, C-spine somebody. And people, still, that's it's probably something we should do anyway. <laughs> that's the thing, though, I'm laughing at is because really, you know, that's the type of thing you think about. I wonder if you, that would be the type of thing that it would it would take in order to get people to to stop doing this stuff, you know. And what about um, you, you know, you think about things like lidocaine and Lasix, right? It used to be standing orders in a lot of protocols. Now they're taking Lasix and lidocaine out of standing orders if they're in the protocol at all. They're not in standing orders anymore. Now they're in uh, med control options because they don't want people using those drugs as mm -hmm. much as we used to, right? Mm -hmm. So this is a way to kind of control providers almost from doing that. Is it the right way to do it? I, I really don't think it's the best way to really get providers to not do something that's not good for the patients. But, I mean, I guess it's sort of a way to, you know, kind of force our hand on that. I think that there's a constant struggle when you look at, you know, there's, listen, to, to sit back and say they're all idiots uh, is not giving, you know, people uh, credit for where credit is due. And it's an old uh, saying, but it's a worthwhile saying. Um, and when you're looking at these programs, yeah, they do some things that are blanket and it's supposed to cover everybody in the state, and it's not always a one-size-fits-all situation. Mm -hmm. And we balk at where it pinches our toes. You know, we, you know, we're oh, they're of course idiots when when something that doesn't quite fit us uniquely is it just doesn't work. Mm -hmm. But keep in mind that they have been fighting. You know, the well, this is the way we've always done it um, mindset. Forever, and whenever you try to move us into a new way of thinking, a new pattern of thinking, you're always going to get the guys or the old salts who just don't get it or don't want to listen, and that's why you still have questions on the Mac of beryllium. Right. You know, yeah, Something yeah. Been out of the protocol for a hundred years, but they want to catch the one medic who is just not, you know, paying attention. Yeah, and, and it's funny if you look at that article that sat the, uh, the EMS scraps uh, state scraps the program. There are people commenting in Facebook. Fifty-eight comments on this. We well, got somebody who's you know, got someone saying it's, it's interesting. The state blames instructors for a broken EMS system when it's the state that sets the protocols. I mean, if nothing else, you know, these articles get people talking a little bit, you know, about some of these issues. Um, and I just find it interesting that, that, you know, the way people just take this, you know, of all instructors are idiots, what does it say for people who train them? And what was, you know, what weight was that you? Um, goodbye protocol medics. You know, I'll bring a team of instructors from Western Canada. Um, all of that. And then finally somebody says, you know, somebody says, uh, you guys do understand this is a satirical piece and not real. But like we're talking about, Josh, somebody else says, you know, this is, uh, it might be fictitious, this article, but it makes valid points. And this is why I'm bringing some of these articles up um, tonight from this site. If anybody, anyone listening to the show, if you're not in the chat room, you don't see the link, you can go to callthecops.net 
and you'll see uh, these articles there. Um, again, this is a fairly new site, but mm -hmm. um, uh, you know some of these articles I think are pretty. It's a you good know. idea, you know. I mean, it's a good idea for a website. Somebody's I mean, some of it's a little off the off the top. I think the first article they had about uh, robots, you know, uh, doing police work, like the next uh, RoboCop type stuff in uh, in think Chicago or Detroit or something like that, you know. And the clever thing is that the pictures that that they use um, look like it did legitimate sort of you know news pictures. Right. I mean, we've got a post well, on you, face and you fashioned this after you said it's sort of fashioned after the onion. Right. Um, it's a nice, clean website. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think that they uh, listen, you know, uh, crazier things that happened from less uh, effort. And yeah. I think that, you know, it, it's a good effort. Yeah. Another article that they had there, I thought I wanted to mention before I got into one of the real articles. Um, is about this uh, uh, article about uh, EMS um, agency institutes a pay-as-you-go service. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny, I joke, I've joked about that for years with my partners, that we should have like a, a credit card swipe machine um, for people that don't really need an ambulance and say, well, we'll take you, but you know, your insurance company probably won't pay for this ride, so uh, you've got to pay up front before we can take you to the hospital because really it's just an expensive taxi ride. You know, um, I just you think it's funny because like, they talk about point of view stuff and they're going to give patients 15% discount, um, you know, just all kinds of like crazy stuff on here. And it's just, it's just funny. But again, you know, this is uh, this article didn't, didn't get as much traction, but it's got about 400 shares on Facebook and likes on Facebook. And it's got seven comments about people saying, you know, what a joke. Um, this can't be real. While well, your grandmother didn't rapidly fib, you know, medic, the medic, the the medication is going to cost you X amount of money with the IV. Because they talk about how they can itemize the bill before they charge you. And mm -hmm. well, computers <laughs> allow that. You know, it's the, funny. Computer billing system. Yeah. Do you I mean, recall? Do you recall that? Uh, you know that joke uh, because you could hit the radio. Uh, it used to be where you could hit the radio and get a high pitched beep out of it. Uh -huh. um, you know, you uh, the new the newer radios you can't you can't do that anymore. I'm not talking about the emergency button, but there was a way of like canceling your tone, and it was a, a high pitch beep. And what the guys would do is they'd say, "Oh yeah, we have a new uh, system now," and they take your uh, benefits card and <laughs> slide it on the back of the radio and hit the button and say, "Oh no, I'm sorry, it's no good anymore. We can't take you." Mm. And you know, I don't know imagine. if that's urban. I don't know if it's urban legend. I can't imagine because all you need is one complaint and your freaking job is gone. You right. know, I mean, because management wouldn't take that no, as very not. very funny. Well, yeah, I joked around too, like you know, with the, with uh, you know, so many times now we carry we carry these. Uh, you carry the laptops, tough books with you and stuff to do, do charts. And I talked about having like a big picture of like a, a human body on there and making believe I'm scanning their body with it, you know, when they call for nonsense. <laughs> you know? Yeah, but that's, when, that's when, not quite the same. Especially when the know? cops call for like an evaluation. Can you evaluate them? You know, when it's like just a total nonsense evaluation, you know, just doing it just for paperwork. I take it, walking over and, you know, to run the patient. Or just to see, look on a cop's face. Taking one of the electrodes and putting it on the forehead and saying, yeah. press this button. Yeah, exactly. exactly. But um, I really, I, you know, 
that that would that's a little bit more benign than talking about a person's right to go because even joking about that could probably end right. end you up in real hot water. Oh yeah, yeah. You know? And I, mean, I hear the toy with that stuff. You know, I mean, I hear people all the time saying, "Oh, you know, we have to tell these patients that you know the the insurance company might not pay." And you know, you start telling people that it's almost as if you're telling them you don't want to take them to the hospital. Right. And then if something happens, what are they going to say? They're not going to say. Oh well, I didn't think my insurance company was going to pay, so I didn't, I refused to go. They're going to say the ambulance driver or the paramedic didn't want to take me because uh, you know they thought it wasn't an emergency. That's what they're going to say to the news and the media and everybody else. And then you, as a provider, is going to get you know hung right out to dry. Mm-hmm. You know, so to me, a lot of times when, when I hear that argument about telling the patient the insurance company might not pay because it's not necessarily an emergency. You know what? That, to me, is not my my role in in, in being there, you know, um, because it, that's, again, you know, that's when you, you're opening up uh, issues for yourself, you know, as a provider, you know. Um, the, when the day comes, we can tell people that they don't need an ambulance based on our evaluation, then fine, I'll be more than happy to do that, you know. Um, but right now, that day's not here. Today's the day where you tell somebody not to go to the hospital, and they complain, and then you get in trouble, whether they needed it or not. A hundred percent. You know. <coughs> I'm sorry. Somebody, what happened? You okay? You're right. Yeah, yeah. Right. No, okay. I wanted to speak and breathe at the same time, and sometimes ah. the two are not compatible. Yeah. <clears throat> um, speak because I'm choking. Let me speak. Well, um, you know what? The the other I, I posted those articles in there. I'm not going to talk about the Bloomberg thing too much. But what I wanted to do is um, a company that I actually worked for um, in New Jersey uh, actually won an award for something, and this ties into one of the, some of the questions we got, um, Josh. Uh, this company I work for Monarch. Um, uh, they got an award for a public service. Um, uh, announcement video, and the the, the PSA th- it talks about the misconceptions and the dangers of emergency siren use by EMS uh, first responders. Um, it talks about common practice of, of sirens and, and and that a lot of the time we talked about this on the show too that that the use of licensed sirens ends up being of little value in the patient's outcome. Um, Oh, and, my God, and, I and, tell you. And the one thing that they mentioned, is, and, and something that I didn't know, actually, but they talked about how research shows that EMS providers die more often than police and fire in transportation-related um, accidents. Well, that, you know, that makes sense, and it goes in part and parcel, which are what I'm saying is that, and what you've been saying, too, and, and I think that taps that, that serious thread of where do we draw the line for professionals and volunteers? Because I think, you know, when you're talking about insurance, when you're talking about uh, a business that has deeper pockets, uh, they're more likely to protect themselves through proactive uh, measures like training. Mm-hmm. And uh, where, you know, volunteers, uh, it's, yeah, you know, we have this training if you want to go, and some people just want to go to the clubhouse. And, you know, there's a lot of history with um, 
with our first responder world, especially in the volunteers. I mean, you know, there was a whole thing. I don't uh, you remember last year when I put that thing up about drinking and mm-hmm. uh, on the job and people, you know, drinking in the house and all the people that came out and said, oh, well, you know, uh, we have zero tolerance and everything else. Yeah, that's yeah. great. But there were law, there were laws in the books and 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 in a lot of these uh, bylaws that said, you know, actually specifically stated, oh, you shouldn't go on a call if you've had more than two beers. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have to stop in your tracks. And well, say, I'm all, I, I'm trying to get my union to allow us to have one drink per twelve hour shift. Just and I think of, that's right because you really need. Edge off. You need that. I think. Yeah. I think you need that. People should do that either right. way. Yeah. Um, that was totally sarcastic. Um, <laughs> just, just as a, just as a, a, a footnote there. Um, but, you know, and I don't want to get into a whole thing about drinking, but, you know, that's how far we need to come when there's still houses that say, hey, you know, two beer minimum. Well, think about places that require absolute zero tolerance, and yet you be evoc trained. Yeah, that. Well, think about um, what 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 was the fire recently, right? That one of those big fires. They found out that there were some of the firefighters responding to that explosion, um, who were intoxicated. The one in Texas. Yeah. That, that, why am I not surprised? You know, it's a big job. Everybody and, wants to get there. Think of what it just what it just did to the whole response. Right. I mean, even you and I saying it, or even us discussing it, really overshadows now and taints that entire response. Right. And what's the image that comes to mind is a bunch of idiots staggering around, drunk, not doing what they're supposed to do, when you probably had a, and, a and very... And themselves and, and everybody else in danger right. in the process. Right. And you probably, it was probably, I'm sure it was just the opposite of that. I'm sure, you know, we had, you know, that, that the that the guys who were intoxicated or or just a couple of beers or whatever it was were probably the the very minority, you know, right. like one or two. But you know, those were again two it's that perception. So, you know, getting back to this idea and I think it's a very serious point that more EMS get killed in collisions than in any other uh, than in any other field, both speaks to the amount of responses that we do, you know, and the responses, think of it, you know, when a cop responds, not every response is lights and sirens, you know, whereas when EMS right. responds, you know, out of nine categories, seven are lights and sirens. Right. Uh, and so, you know, far more of our responses are going to be lights and sirens, and then add into that a lack of training, you know, a lack mm-hmm. of standardization, and uh, a lack of uh, a lack of standards on standards, you know, even training standards, and you know, you're like, oh, I'm not surprised. Yeah. Why should I be surprised at that? I'm saddened by it, but I totally believe that statistic. Yeah. yeah. Let me, uh, you know, I want to kind of segue into the lights and sirens thing, Josh. Uh, talk about one of the questions that um, I got from uh, one of my members here. Um, and uh, I'm not going to mention any names, um, but it's someone who's working for a private ambulance company. And he talks about how sometimes the dispatcher sends them from uh, Staten Island to Brooklyn, which are two separate boroughs in, in New York City. Um, 
well, even as far away as into Queens, which is even further than Brooklyn, um, for an emergency call where you have an ETA, you know, 25 plus minutes. And he said some of the people at his agency are concerned and wondering if it's legal for them to use license sirens from one borough to another. Um, he's called certain agencies trying to get some resolution on it. But as far as uh, he can, he can't get any, any uh, resolution so far. So he's wondering... You know, the patient, a true emergency, it's not fair to them. It's not fair, um, you know, safety-wise for them. He's wondering who he can call. Um, he's afraid of losing his card, you know, or, uh, uh, you know, over something like this and, and mm-hmm. for his boss's greed for a contract. Um, I actually responded to him privately and, and asked him, you know, well, you know, there's some some legal things as far as uh, operating certificates. You know, if, if his agency has an operating certificate in different boroughs that they can respond, you know, to a different borough. Yeah, I think that's, you know, the lesser of uh, the likelihoods because generally a lot of these uh, big privates um, yeah. have more borough response. But I wonder how big can it be, Josh, if they, uh, you know, if they are sending units into borough like that. Most well, of the big agencies have will have units in, every, in whatever borough that they're they're in for that day. You know, this isn't a new topic for us, Jim. I mean, we've we've talked about it specifically because I've bitched to you about it um, both publicly and privately, and I think that it's I think that you know the whole idea behind emergency response is you take the resource, the appropriate resource closest to you, and you send them to respond to you, mm-hmm. but I had this discussion with a friend of mine who was in heavily involved in New York, um, uh, where I work in in the New York uh, world, and then moved to Jersey. And you know, he and I went back and forth, and I was so pissed off. And he said, "Listen, you know, there's really not anything that can be done, and it's completely legal." And he agrees with me; it's completely idiotic, but yeah. it's completely legal because it's based on the idea of the caller. The caller, if the caller is calling into the 911 system, mm-hmm. then they are calling a city agency whose sort of agreement is that they will deploy the most appropriate resource that's closest to the call. Mm-hmm. And that's how the 911 system works. But a lot of people call these private companies out of some idea of loyalty or some idea of deference that they'll get. Um, certainly, definitely worry about what hospital they're going to be able to go to and choose the hospital they want to go to. Right, right, um, and the, you know, it's, sometimes they feel like they're going to be forced to go to a, a closer hospital that's maybe not where they want to go, where they've been before, or that they've had treatment before, things like that. Right, and you know, and that's about patient. You know, again, a, a community knowing the difference between an EMT, paramedic, and bus driver is. Um, you know, and them also knowing their own rights. You know, a patient's right is to go to the, the appropriate facility closest to them. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, how many times when you worked in in this in the city did you have a patient want to go to some place totally out of your area, and you right. roll your eyes and it's like, you know, you know it's wrong, you know it's, but at the same time you say, look, you know what, you call in for permission, and right, how go. many times have you been denied? Never. I've rarely, I've never really been denied to right. go to a, a hospital of choice. I mean, I've gone from Brooklyn to Manhattan. You know, I've actually gone to Long Island one time. Right. Brooklyn to Long Island. 
Right, because um, the fault is at least you're bringing the patient to care. Right, you didn't refuse them. Right, yeah. exactly. And you know, and and I guess that's you know. Listen, one thing I asked this, this person too, with as far as the question goes, I'm like, you know, you're working for a private agency. Um, you know, where is this emergency? Is it, is it at a nursing home? Is it a doctor's office? At a clinic of some type that you're responding to? Um, you know, how much of a true emergency is it really? You know, um, just because their dispatcher says it's an emergency, you know, that's how they're dispatching it. Um, you know, private agency, interfacility transport agencies, you know, their um, you know, responses, you know, they might have a patient who need, might need some, some emergent interventions, but it's not like there's no treatment being given before they get there. Um, you know, most of the time, the, the nursing homes and all, if they have a patient that's truly uh, an extremist, they're calling 911. They're not waiting. 25 minutes for you no, to No, but they are, they are. That's the crazy thing, you know, because they think, oh, I don't like the hospitals local to me. Well, you know, uh, well gonna... but that's an individual. I'm talking about if it's a, if, if it's a private agency going to a nursing home or, or a clinic or something like that. You know, uh, the staff is who's calling because it's based on a contract that, that right. she has. It's not based on, I mean, there are, like you said, there are individuals who might want to, who might wait that that time frame because they like you said they want to go to their own hospital and I've actually I've actually had issues um, in a couple places where I've worked where they've waited for um, the local volunteer agency to come out and get a crew and wouldn't wouldn't accept us transporting them because they wanted to go where they wanted to go and then you the volunteer agency would take them mm-hmm. you know whereas we were sort of bound by more of the you know closest facility type closest appropriate things. yeah. You know, so it's just, it's just, it's just, it's the type of question, you know, legally, I, I don't think he can get any type of legal trouble for it. I mean, you got to respond with due regard and all. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can't, you know, you, you're just going to let the signs from borough to borough. I mean, really, you know, at some point, I don't think it's have the signage on the entire time. I mean, you know what the best, already. what the best thing about, you know, when you go through these courses are, is you get, because if you don't go through um, an EVOC course or a CEVO course, mm-hmm. you can go under, you can have a lot of misconceptions about what is due regard, what is responding appropriately, and all of those other things. Yeah. And in the end, you know, it's, uh, you know, live to fight another day. You, you, you can't, you're not supposed to be putting yourself at risk. There's nothing that's written that explicitly says, well, if it's an emergency, your life is worth less than the life that you're of the one you're trying to say. And and as 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 a matter of fact, everything in our training goes counter to that. So why suddenly should those rules go out the window and you respond and due regard is resp- driving down one way streets the wrong way or you know the yeah. wrong lane or you know oncoming traffic and just because you know you have lights and sirens there's some sort of magical shield it puts up around your bus and, and it's this, not and I it's mean, not right i mean this is why i this is kind of why i highlight that article because I, I think that articles like that are important i think it's important to sort of point out that that you know the the response of lights and sirens isn't always the best thing and, and what is there something else i would tell you too well you know it's up to you as the operator Know, as well to decide whether or not you're using lesson signs for your own safety, but that's sort of a hard um, 
argument to make when you haven't seen the patient yet, you don't know what you have, and you don't know what you don't really know what you're responding to 100%. And I think my I guess my main issue with the question is is the the fact that he's working for a contract agency that you know for the most part should not be responding to emergencies like that on a regular basis where they're responding a half an hour, you know, to interboro, um, you know, to to uh, assignments. You know, it's, it's primarily into facility stuff. It's it's dialysis transports. It's uh, you know clinic responses, things like that. They very rarely go to private homes. You know, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's where. Well, they go this, when they're called. Well, this but this is where the issue I think would lie with this. If if for some reason they did get into an accident or something, or there was a bad outcome for the patient, they get to be asking, well, why why didn't the dispatcher you know, tell the patient or the nursing home or the whatever it is to call 911 and advise them that you're coming from wherever and it's going to take you 25, 30 minutes to get there. Yeah, well, you know. That, that's not your job as a responder. That's right. the dispatcher's job. That's right. And, uh, you know, when I have said that, uh, what the counter to that is, is if you called, then you want that service. Right. You know, and I have seen dispatchers take those those calls and advise the patient they can't, they, you know, the closest that they have is so many minutes right. because they're advised to give an ETA. So the person knows they're getting an ETA, mm-hmm. and yet they uh, they still they decide that's what they want to do. Yeah. So, you know, who's at fault at that point? It's a patient making, quote, unquote, an informed decision. But are they making the best decision? I can't That's the problem. I, mean, I guess that when it comes down to the negative outcome, they're gonna, you know, you're talking about everybody getting called into the carpet to figure out, you know. And in the end, it's going to be, well, why did you call them instead of 911? You had a choice. Yeah, I think, I think in the end, it's not going to, it won't fall on the responders themselves. Right. You know, or even the institution. Because I think, I personally right, I think, think that if these institutions have the slightest liability involved, slightest chance of liability that they could not defend themselves or might lose, we wouldn't do it. Yeah. We wouldn't do it. You know, I mean, you they call 911 for, for the, you know, for a close response and that, they're not going to care about anything else. They, the institution itself will get in trouble. It absolutely makes me nuts, and, you know, and and I have been sent on these, you know, inter, uh, these, uh, these, uh, I was about to say, inter, okay, interborough runs, and there is, you know, it, it's basically, um, there's basically an absolutely defendable point that, this was a voluntarily, voluntary decision on the part of the patient. Now, when I'm sent on these emergencies, I, do, I handle myself with extreme due regard because, you know, it's, it's not like you're, you're up, you know, working in a dangerous part of the city on mm-hmm. a 911 bus and another unit that you work with all the time or that you know of or is close by is calling for help. You know, there's there's a certain aspect that you sort of let down, you know, or put sort of a a, a bigger uh, a bigger definition on what due regard is when you're responding to those. You know, you mm-hmm. may respond, uh, you know, a lot quicker 
But, you know, when you're doing something, and especially when it's a long haul, you have to really be aware to make the job, to get the job done. And an accident is not going to help you do that. Yeah. No, you're right. Right. You know what, Josh, let me... Uh, I want to yeah, go why ahead. don't you get into our break here? And yeah, let's take a quick break. I'm going to mute myself and uh, have a little chat here about um, EMS managers. Let's uh, take a quick listen to that. This episode of EMS Office Hours is sponsored by EMS Manager. They have been consistently helping EMS agencies save time and energy with their innovative web-based software for staff scheduling and management. They have a mobile web app that's accessible from smartphones and other mobile devices with an easy-to-use web interface. It's viewable from anywhere on the World Wide Web. You can check your own schedule, and managers and staff can both oversee, manage, and make changes to employee schedules from anywhere. Anthony Tucci, who is the Deputy Chief in Western Burks EMS, that's over in Reading, Pennsylvania, shares with us that his overtime has been cut by 50% since he started using EMS Manager a year ago. He says our overtime went from 4,000 hours to last year to 2,000 hours this year. And he says this has been a huge financial savings for his agency. And why not? EMS Manager is affordable. It's priced based on the size of an organization. And because it's web-based, your employee schedule and software is located over in the cloud. And that means that there's no additional IT costs that you've got to worry about. And then there's always free training. There's free tech support and free system software updates. So if you want to try this out for your system, go check it out. There's a free customizable trial of EMS Manager. You can get it at emsmanager.net. I want to thank EMS Manager for sponsoring EMS Office Hours and the other shows from the ProMed Network. EMS Manager is proud to support EMS providers and managers through this sponsorship, and they support what we do. Go show your support for them, guys. Take a few minutes and sign up. Go get a free trial at emsmanager.net. Show them that you appreciate their support by trying out the software. Visit emsmanager.net. It's a LADTEX EMS manager. It's for online employee scheduling and workforce management. And don't forget, if you do try it out, make sure you tell them that you heard it here on EMS Office Hour and that Jim and Josh sent you on over. This is paramedic Greg Fries from Stevens Point, Wisconsin, and Center Learn Solutions, the EMS Educast, and Everyday EMS Tips. You're listening to EMS Office Hours with my good friend Jim Hoffman. Enjoy. All right, thanks, Greg. Appreciate that. That was cool. Yeah, John. I know uh, John's in the chat room. Uh, John Boris from One Union Eight Hundred One, the webcast. Uh, he actually sent me a recording as well. I have not had a chance, John, to uh, work that into a new um, script, but I will be doing that probably next week. Actually, I'll probably be able to get that done for you and get you into, um, you know into one of your very own uh, uh, advertisement segments. I'm trying to get somebody with an English accent to do the script. No. No big guess. What? But the English. No. I, I haven't started with English. <laughs> so with the English accent doing the script. No big guess. Don't you know, uh, don't you know, don't you know it's, it's been proven that people with English accents 
uh, tend to be trusted more and sell more products than people with uh, American. Are you certain they? Yep. Really? Yep. No, I was just hearing the CEO of Spanx, uh, who is the oh, young. I love those. Yeah, I know. They make the, you know they make when I'm cross dressing. Yeah. So eat because they hold everything in. Uh -huh. But um, uh, you know she's the youngest CEO, our uh, youngest uh, female billionaire. Uh, in the world. Oh, yeah? Uh, yeah, a self-made billionaire, I think. I, I'm not 100% sure, but I saw her on CNN today. And she said that she chose the name because a K is more memorable and actually gets, mm -hmm. and in comedy, it gets more laughs. So go figure. No, that makes, definitely makes sense. Well, I'm going to rename Wantanoo to Want Canoe. Yeah. yeah. That sounds a good idea. Because that way everybody will remember it. Mm. Josh, you have uh, I have uh, uh, one other question that I want to talk about, and then uh, ask another thing that's been a little conversation going on over on Facebook. But the other member question I got, um, which is kind of a, a a negative thing, I guess. Um, but it was to, somebody that asked about about putting the screws to a, a they complain to the state, uh, and they pretty much, you know, don't respond in the way once. Said so they have bounced them with a carotid pulse, refused to confirm the pulse, and um, with nothing being done, they do five minutes later. Yes. Um, the pain did succumb from this injury. You no, know, I hate to say this. Right, I read that. And I hate to say this, but I think that's that's one where you had to be there. I, yeah. I, I really hate not no, to back don't, somebody. Don't. That's but, what I, know, I, I wrote back to him initially. It was the same type of thing. I said, you know, that thing that's hard, it's, it's, it's confusing to me. A guy that sent this to me is a guy that I know. He's been on my member list for quite a long time. He's not really a, a, a jerk or anything like that. Um, so to get this from him, it, you know, Tells me he's a little concerned about it, but you know, not getting all that much information from that question. You know, think about it. You get a trauma call, right? It's not just him and the EMT on the call. It's usually a couple of the EMTs, maybe another medic, the cops, the firemen. So if the EMTs not doing enough, and the guys got a carotid mm -hmm. pulse, somebody else is going to do something. Everyone's not going to stand around for forty-five minutes and do nothing. And you take the CMT's word for it. Oh, okay, he's dead. You know what <laughs> I mean? That's my myself. I was about to get myself in trouble. You know, it's the circle of death. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. And the thing is, still, uh, I don't know, like, I don't know if this guy's a medic or another EMT, but if you're the medic, you're also the higher medical authority. So if you're the paramedic and he's an EMT, I don't care what he feels and doesn't feel or wants to do or doesn't want to do. I'm the paramedic. Go get the stretcher. We're going to transport and work this, this patient up. So, again, without there, I, You know what? Ian, back up a second. You're the medic, and this EMT, you know, is going, you know, is, is all about getting this person to the hospital. Now, unless their head is physically separated from the rest of their body or there's something absolutely pronounceable, Right. In terms of like brain matter or something like uh -huh. that, that you just know, you know, it is one of those major 
points that you can uh, uh, sort of state obvious death. Um, you really have to. When do you ever tell a guy, no, we're not taking this guy to the hospital? Yeah, it, it is. Not. Kind of... No, don't put him on the stretcher. I just cleaned the back of the bus. I don't want to get yeah. messy. It's the type of thing, again, you know, it, seeing the question in the way it was presented, it's hard really to, um, you know, give it a, a, a really good opinion on it because there's as, as much information as you would like to have. I did write back and say that and tell him pretty much what we, what we just said. You know, without knowing some more details, it is really one of those things where without being there, it's hard to, to comment because I know every trauma scene I've ever been on, there's a lot more than just me and my partner, you know. And then the confusion on working the patient up or should we, shouldn't we, usually you do because if there's, you're sitting there hemming and hawing or whether or not you should work them up, that means you probably should be working them up, you know. It should be clear cut that you're not. Exactly. You know, that, and that's, you're not and that's the old, an old adage as well. If you're if you're if you're trying to decide, the answer is yes. Right, exactly. And the same thing when you would talk about when you work in cardiac arrest patients. Up, you get there, are they cold? Are they warm? Is that lividity? Is it right. is it hot in here? It, it, is it cold in here? Or if you have to guess, right? If you're sitting there guessing, if you're sitting there guessing, that means you know you shouldn't be guessing. You should be working. You know. Right. You know. Uh, so they. It, <laughs> It just, uh, it's it, it just, I don't want to say I'm amazed at that. I'm just sort of, I'm sort of curious how you can, how you can get to that. Now, that's, you know, Jim, you and I have both been in bad situations where things did not go the way we felt and they should. And, you know, how do you handle that? You know, but thankfully, and there's a lot of ways you can handle it, but thankfully, I don't think those scenarios happen all too often. So this might have been a bad job or a bad call where the guy really felt, you know, that, you know, more needed to be done, but the the the, the forces were uh, uh, stacked up against him, and he couldn't get anything done. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, uh, I, you know the, the thing that, the, the one thing that kind of turned me off a little bit was, the beginning of it where he said putting the screws to an inept uh, EMT and we talk about this show a lot about you know eating our young and, and stuff like that and you know I mean I don't know the situation but you know there might be the ways to handle this this EMT rather than just trying to you know get them fired or getting a car taken away or something like that um right but again, without no history like you know, more of that, you know, it's hard to really comment, you know, 100%. You know, but... Uh, it sounds like there's, there's way more to it. Uh, yeah, but, it, like, but like and, I said, uh, just reading what know, they especially said... especially it's sort of a trusted... Yeah, but just just read the, Go ahead. the, the question the way it is, you know, I'm just going to leave it as, you know, that I imagine there should have been a lot more people on scene you know, sitting there willing to do something, even if the CMT wasn't willing to do something, and somebody else should have should have acted, you know, right. if, if the patient was workable. Right. You know, so. Is it just, do you, you know what this guy's level is? Is he a medic? I don't. That's the, problem. That's the other problem. He's a medic, and he could have been the one 
doing so. But if you're not an EMT, that does make it a little trickier. If you're the fellow EMT and is part of the EMT, you know, it makes it a little more... Uh, but, you know, you have that star of life patch on your arm. You can you must say to a cop or say to a firefighter or, or even a civilian, you know, hey, do compressions or do this or do yeah. that, you yeah. know, if you need help with somebody, even if you're and, – and it would make it a more complicated scenario if your partner's standing by and just, you know, right. saying no to the whole thing. But I, I just can't imagine – I can't imagine somebody actually doing that unless there's a real riff behind the the, the scenes and, and somebody decided to act uh, unprofessionally. Right. Because right. to leave it there with a pulse, and you say, how many times have you shown up on a scene and you know somebody says, oh, there's a pulse, and even though you don't feel one, you defer to the, you know, to, well, somebody felt it. And there's enough research behind that to say, listen, not even the experts feel pulse. Okay. Yeah. You know, I, I'm not saying they can't feel pulse at the time, but, you know, even there's enough research. I mean, you go to the American Heart Association and look up, uh, you know, the idea of seeing a pulse. And all of these professionals along the line, uh, you know, felt one, well, you know, there's a certain amount of the statistics, certain percentage that felt one when there wasn't there and didn't feel one when there was. Mm -hmm. So, you know, out of the three scenarios of feeling one when there is and not feeling one when there isn't, uh, there are the two other ends where, So what do you, you know, do, Josh? What, what do you do normally? If, look, if somebody says they feel a pulse and I don't feel a pulse, you know, we go and, and it just defaults to the question of, do you think you should work them up or not? Mm -hmm. If you're thinking about it, then work them up. Yeah. I, I mean, it's really not a difficult decision. The thing is, people forget, too, you know, you've got a stethoscope, auscultate, listen to the heart, see if you hear heartbeats, you know, put the monitor on. And even on, if you don't, you know. Uh, you know, what point at you know what point in cardiac cardiac arrest scenario does it say do nothing if feel if you don't feel pulse? Right. Now, I'm not saying that I'm an idiot about this. I look and see, you know, is there dependent lividity? Is there rigor? You know, what's the last thing? You know, if it's a trauma, then you know what's the mechanism of injury and and what what uh, did the person go through? You know, if there's uh, some obvious signs of death, you got to leave it be. Right. No, you're right. Um, we have about 10 minutes left. I just want to go over something. I mean, this might be actually a whole show, but I thought maybe you can just touch on it. Um, but uh, one of my uh, fellow podcaster guys, whatever, um, uh, Kyle, mm -hmm. Kyle debates pretty... Um, Facebook page about asking if pages like not traumatic paramedics on Facebook and these other these other pages that are on Facebook a benefit or a hindrance to the messengers. Um and you know, he says now before you say it gives us a forum to vent and be ourselves, he asks that we think that if discussions that are going on there, okay, um, do they spill into our personalities and onto the street and to teach providers that this is the way that we should be acting. Sort of being a virus that ends up spreading among us. And I'm wondering, you know... I it's, don't understand the question. 
Well, the debate the question is, do, do you think that pages like, you know, Nocturnal Medic and Paramedics on Facebook or my page on Facebook, your page on Facebook, do they help the EMS industry? Or do they hurt us because you get people on there who don't understand EMS and, and comment and, and uh, uh, approach things from their own little world that they're in? You know, you get these people that will comment on, you know, you, you know, you see things on Facebook, right? And, and one of the common things is uh, they'll show a picture of a car accident and then you have everybody jumping on there. Oh, longboard and collar, uh, uh, you know, all the crazy shit and none of it, it, it's stuff that we're trying to get away from as a profession. But have all these people that are clinging to the old ways of doing things because they don't know any better because they're not, they don't educate themselves. Um, you know, in the ways of VMS and what 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 we're trying to do, you know, as a profession and moving forward, um, and they're they're arguing points on these pages based on their limited experience. You know, somebody uh, said in the the faith post about the the uh, uh, one year provider. You've been a provider for a year and you know everything. You know, so you the burnout, the six you, month burnout. Yeah, so you're on Facebook and you're touting <laughs> yeah. all your wisdom and chiming in on these pages and 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 things like that. And a lot of the comments on there are from uh, you know some of the more prominent people uh, in EMS, you know, more visible. You know, um, Kelly Grace is on there, Justin Shore, and you know, kind of going back and forth about. This but every name has equal weight. If you don't know Kelly Grayson or you don't know who Justin Shore is, their name is as equal weight to Joe Blow, who could be, you know, uh, just going in an EME program at the time and just they already right. know everything. Right. And it's not to say that, so, you that know, I mean, let me turn around. What do you think? Crowd knows everything. You know, you know it, I, I, I think that it's just, it, it's just interesting to me because – you know, you think about that a lot of these these patient groups are not um, open only to EMS providers. Nobody says when, when somebody likes well, my page, There's no I don't way qualify you can... them. Right. You know what I mean? I'm not qualifying them. As a... Even if you could, even if you could, would you? And number number one. Number two is even if you wanted to, could you? Yeah, and the answer right, is no, right. you couldn't do either. No. So, yeah, they're they're open to the public. They're open to anybody on Facebook that has an interest in it. Mm -hmm. um, so what do you think? See, I mean, they, what do you do? You, I, you blanked I, out, Jim. I think that the ones that – I think some of, the, some of these pages it, it can be a benefit. You know, it, it does give us a forum to, to vent about things. Um, and – it does give us a way to, um, you know, talk about the the you know the profession, but I think that the the, the problem starts coming in when people feel that their opinion is the right one, and they're not open to other people's opinions and other people's um, way of doing things. The way you know the way things get done, like here in New York, are totally different than New Jersey. They're totally different than California. Um, you know. Excuse me. What do you mean? We're the best DS system in the world. Mm -hmm. But you know, and, and then like every, 
but then you have, but then you've got some areas that that are are very forward thinking when it comes to what we doing what we do in EMS and and those places you know are are way ahead of of things you know um, right yeah I you know I find myself sometimes and I see these arguments going on on some of these pages from not posting on it because I don't want to be associated with that sort of background you and I used to use a frequent a an EMS forum you know, a few years ago. I was just thinking that, right? I remember you telling me, just stop. Stop wasting your breath. Because right, we I stopped. Would spend I mean, hours. I stopped because of the fact that, it was every, first of all, 90% of the people on there would hide their real names, right? Everybody had a handle. Right. Like, if we're on CB, like we're mm-hmm. truckers or something. Everybody has a handle, you know? So you never know who, who the hell you're talking to. You know, you could be talking to three people that could all be the same person. With different, uh, you know, different thoughts. You know, it, it, and you the wrong person. Right. Yeah. You, if you went against somebody who was popular in those forums, everybody went up on you, whether you were right or wrong. You know. Um, right. And I was frequent, frequently, uh, frequenting the forums because of that, that, that reason. Because I felt like any, any um, uh, opinion. You know, if you weren't in line with what the majority of the forum wanted you to be, you would get jumped on. And I think that some of these Facebook pages are similar in that respect where you'll get people who will, you know, you'll get a, a majority of people, you know, uh, with one point of view of yours is different, you know. I mean, I have to think yeah, of an EMS page uh, talking about uh, having to wear uniforms and how it confuses the public. And I, I told her, and people were jumping on me like crazy. Like I was out of my mind for even suggest, how dare I suggest that we wear uniforms? Like who the hell am I? You know, and I was, uh, so right. stuff like that, you, you say to yourself, it's like, you know, that's the mentality of people that, that end up in some of these Facebook pages. And I guess that's where the question comes from. Well, you get people who, who can't see that that something as simple as wearing a uniform is something we should be doing, and who are so so strongly against it, and not even saying, well, yeah, we should be wearing uniforms, but you know, it, they're right to the butt part. They're not even in agreement that we should be wearing uniforms. They're right to the fact that it doesn't matter. You know, um, and that, that's just a small example, but there's a lot of little things like that that go on. In these pages, where you're getting people who are not really, um, you know, they're, they're not really the end of all people. Yeah, they're not really looking at the at the big picture of, of us as a as an industry. You know? you know, going back to the bulletin board days, um, you know, there was some sage advice, and actually, yes, you actually gave sage advice once in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wonder what happened to those days, Jim. But, you know, the, the sage advice you gave me was, listen, you and I, we have a larger, uh, a sort of a larger audience to that we want to cater to, that we want to be, we're not in the business of making enemies. So having a strong opinion one way or another, not that we're not allowed to have a strong opinion, but we shouldn't be doing it in such a way where we're creating enemies. Mm -hmm. Now, there are other people who go out there and totally want to just upset the apple cart no matter what they do. And that's their MO. And it's like, you know what? Let them do it. 
at, at our point, we have to have sort of a more Solomon outlook and say, you know, let's not divide the baby here. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And uh, and 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 it makes sense. I mean, and these this is the public forum. This is the public debate. You know, do you do you have do you have a point with this or you don't? You know, what are you going to do? What you asking me or just in general? No, I was asking. I mean, it was sort of an in general, but I'm asking you as well. But I guess. There's nothing you really can do. I mean, I'm going to keep doing what I've been year. doing, you know. Right. Um, I try not to get involved with it. I, I try not to, to elicit that type of uh, uh, interaction on my page, you know. Um, you know, some of the other pages, it seems like people just uh, – I think sometimes, too, if you, you know, they have uh, big numbers on their pages than, than I do. So the more people you have, the, the bigger chance you're going to have of that sort of uh, bickering and, and, and things to go on um, because, you, you know, to me, it, it's not a numbers game of how many people I have on my page. It's more of a quality of, the, of the, the fans that I have. That's more important to me. You know, than it is just uh, having hundred thousand uh, Facebook likes. You know, to the page, it looks nice when you look at it, but how many of them are really, you know, along the same line of thinking as me? I like to think that most of my members on my pages and my email lists and stuff like that are, are in line with the way that I'm thinking and approaching EMS and and wanting to uh, you know educate myself and and help other people get education. You know, and succeed in, in EMS and not just, uh, you know, go to the motions and look for the next best thing. You know? Right. And that's the point, you know, sort of keep the higher, the higher, you take uh, the high ground. High ground. You take the high ground. Right. right. Exactly. All right, Josh, let's wrap it up there. Um, Sounds we're good. just about out of time. Uh, thanks for, uh, for joining me. I'm going to put links to those, uh, those articles and what, whatnot in the show notes. That'll be up on Wednesday over emfofficehours.com. Uh, um, and what else did I want to mention? That's really it. So uh, keep an eye out for that. And uh, if you are on, if you're listening to the show and you're on my email list, I have a doozy of an email coming out tomorrow. So keep an eye out for that. All right, Josh, that's it. I will uh, talk to you next week. Sounds like a plan, Jim. All right, everybody, that's it for us. Uh, have a great uh, week. And until next week, I thought with Jim Hoffman, email office hours. Stay safe.